You are listening to the My First Period podcast and today we talk all things sex, endometriosis, birth control and puberty with Venus Libido. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the My First Period podcast with me, Lucy Evers, and joining me today is sex educator, endometriosis fighter, Venus Libido. How are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, so shall we get straight in with your story of your first period? Yeah, let's go for it. My first period was actually quite, it's quite a funny story. Um, so I went to, I don't know, well, people in the UK will know what this is, but you know the theme park, Alton Towers? Yes, I do. So I went there for my cousin's birthday and we stayed in the hotel and I was in the shower and the fire alarm went off. Um, I'm like, we had a room, like my cousin and myself, we must have been, I was about 13 and our friends um, and the adults were in a different room and the fire alarm went off and my cousin and all our friends like ran out and forgot to tell me that, forgot that I was in the shower. So I was left (laughs) and came out and had no idea what was going on. And then my mum came and found me and I had to rush out in just like a dressing gown. And then we were waiting outside to be let back into the hotel and I just like started bleeding. And I was like, mum, I think I've just started my first period. (laughs) That's how I'll always remember my period is just being stuck outside after a fire alarm at Alton Towers. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So you were 13? I think I was about 13 or 12 or 13. Yeah. Had many of your friends or like relations or dates, had you had, had you had that conversation with anyone yet? About periods? Yeah. Um, only with my mum really and just like a couple of school friends who had like already started their period. Um, and I was just like, oh, I still haven't started my I talk about this quite a lot in the fact that, you know, when I was younger, periods weren't really a topic of discussion between friends, you know, talking about it was a bit gross. We would, the only time we would talk about it is if we were asking each other to check the back of our trousers. But other than that, it wasn't really something we spoke about. Yeah, I was around a similar age when I first started my period. And Mm. it was not a conversation, I was well aware of them, but it was not a conversation that I'd had. I'd never... I'd never spoken to any of my friends about it. I'm an mm. only child, so I didn't have any sisters to talk to about it. Um, yes, yeah, same. Your mum quite was your mum quite happy to have a conversation with you? Yeah, I mean, my mum's quite free and open about things like that. And in our house, like we talk about sex quite a lot. Like very open household when it comes to conversations around periods and sex and genitals and all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, my mum was always like quite happy to talk to me about it and, was, you know, prepared me, um, which obviously I'm very grateful for because I have friends who, you know, their mums never even told them about a period and, you know, just started bleeding and thought they were dying. Um, so yeah, I, I was very, very lucky in the fact that, you know, I came from a household where I was very prepared for it. That's really good. I think, I think it's becoming something more and more now that we have a conversation about, but I, mm-hmm. I still think, which is why I want to do this I still think there's that that aspect of like shame's quite a strong word but there's still that that tension when you have a conversation when you mention the word period yeah did you feel as a as a as a young girl yeah I mean I I will always remember being in class and you know being on my period and being in pain and being very paranoid about you know bleeding through my school clothes onto the especially like the fabric chairs and I was just always really scared or you know 
afraid to put my hand up and say, look, I need to go to the nurse. In the end, you know, even the nurse would, you know, never send me home. They would just give me the thickest sanitary pad and I would just feel like I was wearing a nappy around school. Well, yeah. I got to the point where, obviously, because now I know I have endometriosis, my periods were quite bad growing up um, and very, very heavy, that I ended up taking a mobile phone to school that you weren't allowed to do and I would just call my I would just walk out of class and just call my mum and say come and get me because I know they're not going to let me go home like I, I physically feel like I'm going to pass out but yeah I'll always remember like really horrible things that happened at school looking back on it now I couldn't I can't imagine happens now with the amount of talk around you know period poverty that happens um but you know just I remember there was this one girl who I'm assuming couldn't afford sanitary products and you know she would just bleed through her clothes all the time and you know I remember even myself just being like oh my god that's really gross because I didn't know otherwise that you know that poor girl really did probably just need someone to help her with her sanitary products. I suppose and um, this is this is why I think this conversation is so important and conversations like yeah. this are so important because kids kids can be cruel kids can yeah, of course. be really mean and I think having conversations throughout life about things like period poverty, which is really only a phrase that I've learned in the past five years. Yeah. Yeah. Which seems insane. When I first learned of it, it felt crazy to me that, well, of of course you should be able to have sanitary products. Of course, Mm. everyone should, they should be available to everybody. Um, Yeah. So, so being someone that you are very vocal about your endometriosis <laughs> uh, struggle and fight um, yeah. is how I found you, actually. You did a, um, an Instagram live at the start of like March or something or April. Yeah. So that's how I found you. And that was right at okay. the start of my endo diagnosis. Oh, I'm so sorry you have it. <laughs> it's so rubbish, but which is why I... I'm so glad I found people like you and like a bunch of other um, Instagram, Instagram people. Um, yeah. Because it's, it's normalized a lot of things for me. So this comes on to the point of if you could tell yourself when you were younger, all of the pain and all of the stuff around just a quote unquote normal period that you've experienced, mm. do you think you would have told yourself that? Or do you think you, you've experienced your life experience? The learning curve is, was worthwhile. No, I think... And this is why I do talk about endo quite a lot because I know I have quite a young following that I never even heard of the word endometriosis till last year. And this, I, you know, I was 27 last year. So 27 years old, only first hearing the word endo. Growing up my whole life, thinking that my pain and my heavy bleeding and my painful sexual encounters were normal. And the fact that I was bloated and miserable and depressed and didn't want to be alive I don't think that anyone should have to endure that if they are lucky enough to get an early diagnosis and I I, for years I thought that my depression and my anxiety and my pain was something that I would always just have to put up with as a woman I just thought that was something that you know I just have to grow a pair of balls as I've been told many times by male doctors and suck it up um but that's not that's not okay and that's not okay to tell any young girl that they should have to deal with yeah I wish that I had known what that word was and many other you know health conditions that women face um a lot sooner because I do not for the life of me being taught anything like that growing up 
not from my mother, not from my teachers, not from my sex educators, um, not from doctors, not from anybody. And that's not acceptable when this condition affects so many people with uterus, uteruses. Sorry, I, w- I wouldn't want to go. If I could change it, I wish I'd known. Yeah, I, th- I think that's something that's quite important, especially now when conversations are a lot more open than mm. they even used to be when I was a teenager. Like, yeah. I was diagnosed with OCD and depression three, how old am I now? Three years ago. <laughs> and I had to really count then. Um, three years ago, <laughs> I've only learned about what endometriosis is and how it affects me in the last mm-hmm. six months, eight months. Yeah. And every day I learn something new and I go, oh, so that's, that's got absolutely nothing to do with this typical depression that they've described to me. It's got nothing yeah. to do with that. It's got everything to do with the fact that my body has this condition and it, yeah. it physically can't handle it. Like it, yeah. I'm sure you, I'm sure you're well aware of, but for people who maybe don't know, it's completely debilitating. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It'll, it'll take weeks out of my life because I, I physically can't get up. I can't, there's no energy yeah. left in me. It feels, I had to describe it to my partner the other day. Cause he, he's very good with things like this and he's very open to a conversation, which I feel very lucky about, but yeah. he genuinely didn't understand. I got out of bed, I sat on the sofa and I physically couldn't, I could, mm. no, no strength left in my body to get up. And he was like, come yeah. on, go out and we'll do something like take your mind off it. And I just went, but, but I can't yeah it's yeah. this i mean i don't think people see the extent of it no i mean i think from an outsider or someone who hasn't got the condition and my, this is myself included for many years um i just thought okay so having something what wrong with my uterus just meant having something wrong with my uterus but the problem with endometriosis is it's not just pain in your uterus or heavy periods it's fatigue it's yeah. pain in your anus it's pain down your legs it's it's mentally draining physically draining um you know there's things in the future you have to worry about whether i can have children um which then plays on your mental health and the waiting list for um surgery that again is another thing you know it's not just like okay i've broken my ankle and it's going to repair itself this is a condition that we have to live with and affects us every day of our lives that in itself is also very mentally and physically draining. So trying to explain that to somebody, it's like... And also another thing which really upset me was the fact that this affected my sex life for so many years. Yeah. And I thought, you know, someone who is very interested in sex and is very, has a very high libido, I felt like I couldn't have sex because I was in pain, which was a massive, massive impact on my mental health and my relationship with my, with my partners. Um, and now I've had like the surgery, it has massively improved. And I feel so upset that I went through so many years of my life feeling like I was broken because I was in pain when I was having sex. And that was not what I was told sex was meant to be like, or is meant to be like, it's meant to be a pleasurable, enjoyable thing. And it never was for me. So you are very vocal about having endometriosis, obviously we've said, but you're also very yeah. vocal about I call you a sex educator because that's the, in my brain, that's how I see you on Instagram. Yeah, I try to be. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a, a good description. Um, so I completely agree. I just assumed that sex was meant to be a little bit uncomfortable and meant to be yeah. painful and at certain times. And it was just something you had to, I hate this phrase, but just get, get on with. Yeah. Whereas learning 
things like obviously there's a, a wide range of conditions that come part and parcel with having a uterus um mm-hmm. unfortunately do you think now as someone who is as vocal as you are do you feel like your your experiences and your voice is making a difference do you see it do you see it on like a tangible basis yeah definitely I do get a lot of um direct messages in my Instagram account you know from people who think they have endometriosis and ask me if they might have it and obviously I'm not a doctor but I can only advise on what my own experience is and might the research I've done myself in terms of like symptoms but I do get a lot of messages from people saying like this is affecting my sex life like what sort of things can I do to make it more comfortable for myself or you know I've gone away myself and done the the research like actually done the research so, yeah like trying different positions and trying toys and um CBD lubes and yeah just because you know like I said before I'm someone who has always really enjoyed sex and talking about sex and exploring my sexuality I wanted to better that for myself and because I knew that I could do it I then wanted to teach others that that was possible and that their sex life doesn't end just because they've got endometriosis or because they've got cervical cancer or whatever it may be there's another reason why I did my show private parts and I wanted to get my friend Karen Hobson who had cervical cancer and she talks a lot about being quite you know sexually active and that you know your, your sex life doesn't end just because you have a problem problem with your your sex organs and your uterus and your womb like you know you can still be very sexually liberated and enjoy enjoy your life your that aspect of your life I think I think you're exactly correct there I don't not I don't I don't see my uterus as a burden so to speak but I do see mm. it as something that and you sort of touched on it a minute ago, it's, it's something you live with. It's yeah. not something you get over. It's not something you can, oh, well, it's been like five days of my period. I'll just make it to the next month. It's, you live with it every, every yeah. day. And it's, it's unavoidable. And yeah, you could go on this list of contraceptives, which I've had that said to me before when I've explained how painful and uncomfortable periods are before knowing that it was all linked in mm-hmm. people just go well you know you, you can stop it you can go on I've been on every mm. contraceptive I could possibly think of and mm. every single one has had a detrimental effect to my not only physical health but my mental health and I do mm. think that's attributed a lot to my relationship with my period and my body I know you've mentioned before that you're you're currently on the coil yeah yeah so how has your relationship been in the past with contraceptives if 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 you have used them yeah so I was on the pill um since the age of 13 um I'd always I've been on one and then I've been on another one so I'd only ever been on two different pills this to an advice from the doctor to lessen periods yeah so this was like to like minimize the amount of days I would have a period and to reduce the pain and bleeding it only did the first thing so you know, yeah. I had a shorter period. It didn't actually reduce the the heavy bleeding or the period pains. Um, and I do genuinely believe that being on the pill was a massive contribution to the fact that my mental health was so bad because of, you know, there is research behind that. Um, and then as soon as I came off it, um, after finding I had endometriosis and being advised to have the marina coil fitted, I have noticed an improvement in my mental health since not being on it. My only issue with the coil, and this this isn't something I would personally have ever had fitted, but it was advised by professionals to help my endometriosis. 
is that I now have like other issues with the fact that I have something inside me that I actually find very uncomfortable like I, I have a foreign object inside of me I guess it's the same as taking medicine but like something is there and I have had lots of problems with it in, in when I first had it fitted I was having like yeast infections I've had a couple of UTIs and I never had any of these issues before so I can only put it down to the fact that I have something new inside my body right but I just keep being told like it needs to stay there I've, I've mentioned this before in my stories but when I first had the marina coil fitted I went to A&E a month after having it fitted and after my operation I said like you know I, I'm, I don't feel okay down there can I can someone look so I went to A&E like three times and on the third time I got so annoyed I was like I'm not leaving till someone has a look at my coil in case it's moved and I had two nurses come in and they didn't have the right equipment to have a look so they used their iPhones Oh my god! Um, and I like looked down, and they had their phones out, and I was like, "Excuse me, like you haven't asked for my consent, if that's okay. You know, you put your phones out, and I'm like stripped down from the waist. Um, I think that's extremely unprofessional. And I've, you know, I hear stories like this all the time. And ever since then, I've just kind of, it's kind of made me feel scared about someone investigating. Yeah, um, totally. it's a, obviously, and you use it on your uh, IGTVs, but private parts, they are yours. Those yeah areas of your body. I know it sounds completely obvious to say so, but they're owned by you. Yeah. If, a better phrase, they're nobody else's business. So yeah. when it comes to things like this, I, I think I think this is possibly why, feel free to disagree with me, but I, I think that's possibly why we keep it, it ends up being such a taboo subject is because it's it's that air of mystery. And I yeah. think that was something I I thought of as a as a young a young girl starting my period and for want of a better phrase, becoming a woman, whatever that bloody phrase means but <laughs> that that moment in your life you th- everything changes your body mm. changes your body starts changing shape you start gaining weight in certain areas that you never did before like I've mm. always been a straight up and down type human always my entire <laughs> life my cousin calls me uh, two aspirins on an ironing board and I, <laughs> I do think she's correct um but when I started my period these hips just appeared from nowhere that I'd never had before and mm-hmm. legs started getting slightly chunkier I suppose it's because your body's preparing yourself for this huge it's a huge change in your body a massive change yeah do you think as as a teenager I suppose 13 teenager did you see those changes in your body and did you feel that uncomfortableness or pressure I was such and I still haven't I wouldn't say I, I have a very figure I'm quite flat-chested I'm very small like growing up I was always the smallest in the class I never had any boobs as a teenager um so I I felt like I never developed in the way that my friends did at a very young age and I always felt I was very much a tomboy and I was more involved with hanging out with the boys than I was the girls but I just felt like I didn't fit in honestly I started to see a change in my body when I got to about 24, 25, and then I started to gain weight. Um, And that was kind of similar to how my mum was as well. She said, you know, she was very small and slim growing up, and then she got to about 25 and, you know, started to see a difference in her body. So I was very, I was very late developer. So, but I was, I did feel like, you know, when I was growing up, I did feel very uncomfortable with my body because I didn't have boobs. I was very short. So do you think going back to the the period side of things do you did you feel a difference in your 
mental state obviously being a teenager maybe you won't recall but do you do you feel a difference in your brain thinking this is this is a huge a huge change now yeah no I do remember um and my mum says this quite a lot you know she noticed a difference as soon as I started my period in terms of my attitude towards people I was quite um, a moody teenager like very stubborn and I was not interested in like other people's company and she said I was always such a bubbly child but as soon as I started like maturing and yeah after my gaining my period I just completely changed who I was and I definitely did like notice that when I started getting into my 20s I was like I'm actually not the person I want to be because, but that was because I was in pain all the time right, and because obviously my endometriosis was growing inside of me and I had a, I've always grown up with a bad back and you know and it was just like I felt constantly in pain that that obviously affected my mood and my mental health and then projected that onto others which obviously wasn't very nice. How do you think your diagnosis and the fact that you're a menstruating human how do you how do you think those two things have affected each other? Do you think the endometriosis has put more pressure on your cycle? Do you think it's, it's taken the pressure off because it's changed what a traditional cycle is? I don't know, that's kind of a tricky question to answer, but I always knew there was something wrong. Yeah. But no one listened to me, so I just kept, I kept ignoring it myself. And then I think the day that I got diagnosed, I remember like calling my mum and crying and being like, I can't believe I've got something wrong with me. That's actually very serious. And obviously they tell you about having laparoscopy and how dangerous it is. And, you know, you have to sign something because you could potentially die during surgery because it's so invasive. And I just remember sitting there like thinking, I don't know if I can, I can go on. Like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this for the rest of my life. And I just thought to myself, I can't have this attitude when I have the following that I have. This is the, my chance to use my platform and my privilege to talk about something that needs to be spoken about. And something that's um, going to be an education for other people. Yeah, because it definitely, exactly. definitely was for me. When you spoke about it, I thought, my God, she's literally listing the things that have happened for the last yeah. how many years. And I just thought, okay, right, I'm, I'm not, I'm not weird. Yeah. This is, this is so it, normal yeah. for want of a better phrase. Yeah. So like for the first hour of finding out I cried and I was upset. And then after being upset for an hour, then came anger mm-hmm. and I was angry of what I, what I had experienced for the last 20 years of my life and being ignored. And I thought, okay, I need to use, and this is what I do of every situation. And this is why I started Venus Libido because I was, I was so angry that people were getting away the way things they were doing to women or the way that we were being treated as as a society and the fact that you know equal pay or mental health or whatever it may be that I then just got angry and I was like I can't I don't want anybody else to have to go through this I felt the need to like use my platform to talk about it I think as as white women we have a a a privilege we can use for good to lift other people's voices up all of the people that bleed in the world, however many millions there are, I'm sure that there's a disconnect with culture and people's background affects their their experience and their life with menstruation. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's it's quite a drastic, a drastic jump. Obviously, neither of us can can speak for that. We can empathize and we can and we can feel yeah. it. Being in the position to be able to voice something that could possibly help someone else 
is is something that we should take advantage of because if yeah. one sentence can make someone feel less alone and make someone feel less afraid then it's worthwhile yeah absolutely i totally agree with you and this is why you know people like myself i need to use my privilege and you know like i said my platform i have online to talk about these things so that others don't feel alone because i have that chance to do that whereas others don't and i think it's it's just really important that especially what i've noticed is the amount of people that get dismissed and that upsets me quite a lot and i just think that i need to be that person that is standing by these other people who suffer with endometriosis and be like helping them fight for their right to be seen and to be heard yeah um which is the the main objective to why i talk about it because i don't want other people being so dismissed just because their pain or their symptoms are so similar to other things and you know for many years i was just being dismissed or being told i had ibs and it was nothing to do with that and you know a, a lot of people probably have it a lot worse and probably go undiagnosed longer because of you know a cultural thing or whatever it may be um but if you know we can just spread the word one person at a time then we're doing our job at the end of the day. It makes it, it makes such a huge difference to people. When I first was diagnosed, the I was very lucky to have two female nurses and they were very lovely and they were very kind. And we I was really uncomfortable because it's just so ridiculously painful. They could see I was sort of squirming and I was just not, no matter where I put my body, I was just not comfortable. And um, they're both really kind and we, I'm a musician, so we sat and chatted about music for about 20 minutes until my body had relaxed because I was so yeah. busy tense and I couldn't relax my body. So we sat and chatted for a bit, which was really nice. I was very grateful for them. And I asked them, how many of these do you do a day? These, like, mm-hmm. obviously they do a lot of those scans, but how many of them are linked to this area rather than pregnancy or something like that? How many of them are linked to finding things like endometriosis, PCOS? how many of them are linked to things like this and the lady shook her head and said you wouldn't believe Mm. nowhere near the amount of people that have got it it's nowhere near the number that actually come in yeah that really that breaks my heart because it's it is invisible it is an invisible thing but for the person that is suffering with it it's constant it's so unavoidable throughout Mm -hmm. your day so i do think it's so important how you speak about like your platform and the conversations that you have, because blimey, they've made a difference to me. So they must've made a difference to other people. So do you think it's such a positive thing? Going back to the actual bleeding side of things, when you were younger, was it a fear-based moment when your period first started or was it a, not excitement's probably not the right word, but was it a fear-based thing or was it an, oh my God, this has happened? No, I was never scared of it. Like I said, because obviously I had the conversation with my mum quite a lot. I think I was embarrassed because of the situation I was in and being outside in a robe and it running down my leg. Yeah. Um, but I think I was more like, oh yeah, it's finally here. Like obviously we, my mum was like, okay, it'll come soon. It'll come soon. I was like, yeah, but all my friends have started. Why is mine not here yet? And because I knew I was such a slow developer anyway, because of my body being so small, I was just like, oh, it's never, I'm going to have to, it's never going to come. And I started getting paranoid that it wasn't coming. So when it came, I was like, oh yeah, finally I'm normal. I do bleed. <laughs> yeah. I suppose yeah. that's definitely a thing to think as a kid. You think 
it's so elusive and it's such this this like mountain that but where, realistically when you get to it it's just very messy and quite yeah. annoying <laughs> it means yeah, you can't go swimming it means you can't do all these things so realistically it's just kind of irritating more than this yeah I think as well for me like growing up I also found it very strange that I could never use tampons I found them so uncomfortable and looking back now obviously that is a result of like having endo and being being very worried of inserting things inside of my vagina because of the pain which then later led on to like when it came to sex as well and having to like retrain my body to feel comfortable with having things inserted into it but I was like I just thought I was abnormal as I can't use a tampon and I always had to use pads which are obviously not knowing now very hygienic um, especially from the companies I was buying them from back then and I was always having thrush like after my period because of the, the the sanitary pads and yeah I just always found like having them such a burden on my life and so irritating because there was always more than just having a period there was like oh I feel dirty um, which is obviously not how we should be made to feel when we have a period but yeah just always felt like I had something else going on as well so that's that's I'm glad you mentioned that actually because I'm exactly the same I can't use tampons and I always thought it was oh I just don't know how to use them yeah but since knowing all of the things that I know now about my body it does all like oh of course I can't do that because it's comfortable it's not it doesn't it doesn't work so that's a good question Mm -hmm. uh my last question is will always be pads tampons or cups so what is your your preferred oh i don't use any of those i actually yeah. use a uh, period pad so like the um, i use the thinks ones is that the brand yeah i think you've got thanks i actually use a company called Wooker, um okay. just because i was an ambassador for them last year and i just think their pants are so comfortable but i am a like i've completely tried to change my lifestyle in terms of like how much waste i'm creating especially as a woman in terms of like makeup and products and removing and taking off constantly. And then also my periods, I became very aware of, you know, pollution caused by pads and tampons last year. And I was just, I need to make this change in my life to be more um, sustainable. So yeah, I just, I've just ever since last year been using pants and I love them and I would not use anything else. And especially um, after my surgery, for anyone who does have endometriosis and is going to have surgery they are a really good thing to be wearing while you're recovering because obviously you are bleeding um as soon as you come out of having an operation like you do have bleeding so they were just so easy to wear a couple of hours and not have to worry about it and you can't move very much after surgery so they were just a massive lifesaver so i i was the same as you i'm vegan and i try to be a zero waste as physically possible yeah. i have yeah. Or any fast fashion since last year and I'm chuffed about it so Yay. <laughs> I'm very proud of myself and um, maybe apart from a bra here and there yeah of course yeah. That, I think we're okay um so I was the same I decided because I've always used pads um and there's only certain pads I can use because I've got ridiculously sensitive skin so yeah. I, I thought it was oh I can only use these ones and then I found uh, Hey Girls, which are a Scottish company, um, and who do the buy a box, give a box type scenario. Oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, they're really awesome. I found them and I found Thinks and yeah. um, Time of the Month, which are a Cardiff-based uh, company, who don't do the buy a box. It's a different way. It's the money goes to a charity rather than a, um, a physical box goes to someone. Oh, okay. Um, 
So I found those products and was, I'm, I'm disappointed in myself that it took me that long to find these kind of eco-friendly and organic and positive companies. But now I've found them. I tell them, I tell everyone about them. Yeah. I've got my mum on the pants, you know, Yay! I literally think they're the boat, the most amazing invention. Like they are fantastic and they not only saving the environment, they're saving you money and saving you from being bloody taxed on products you should not be taxed on. If, I don't know whether yeah. you feel the same about this. My periods are insanely, insanely heavy. So in order to yeah. do pants every day, I'd have to have like eight pairs. Um, so I wear them on when I feel like it's brewing. I wear mm-hmm. the pants the few days before. And then when I'm on like the last day, I wear them the last like one or two days yeah period so they're a comfort do you find them a comfort oh yeah they're definitely a comfort thing yeah absolutely but I would say though I obviously I have like I said before I've got very heavy periods and I can wear these pants like on my heaviest and I'm fine yeah the wooker ones are really good like yes I'm actually I'm having a period at the moment I'm not actually supposed to be having periods because I've got the coil but for some reason I am which is apparently okay um, the last like two days I've been bleeding very heavily for the first time since my op, which is very strange. Um, and I've been wearing the pants in there. They can take quite a lot of fluid. Uh, if you go on Wooker, they actually show you some videos of them pouring like a cup of water onto the pants and it not leaking through. Like it, they are amazing. What's the, how do, how do you spell it? Okay. So it's W-U-K-A. Ooh, okay. I'll have a look when we're done. That's any, yeah. like any, so I've seen you use the on CBD oils. They've absolutely saved my life. Yes. Um, on are fantastic. And also the people that run on are amazing, amazing people. Um, so I'm here for them all the time. Yeah. Um, and another company, which is also fantastic and helped me a lot after surgery is a company called BU. BU. Um, and they have these amazing eucalyptus, um, strips that you put on your tummy just to help reduce pain and I wear them like as soon as I start having endo pain because I don't really like taking taking painkillers I'd rather use like natural things so BU are also a really fantastic company who have amazing patches that's awesome well thank you for having a conversation with me today I think it's been great Um, and thanks for having me on I hope it helps anyone who's listening I hope it helps you in some way yeah I think it definitely will and I think the I always say that the sooner we change our language around things like mental health, invisible, quote unquote, invisible diseases, Mm -hmm. the sooner we change our language around them, I think attitudes will change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They'll be quick to follow. Um, Yeah. Thank you for chatting with me. I'm so that I've I've managed to have a chat with you. It's been really great. Thanks for having me. Have a lovely rest of your day. And you. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was it. That was the first official My First Period podcast. Can you believe it? Uh, Thank you so much to Venus for joining me for this conversation. I learned so much. She's such an interesting and insightful human being. It was really, really wonderful to chat with her. Find her on Instagram, uh, Venus Libido. That's Venus, L-I-B-I-D-O. Did I spell that right? I think so. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I have been Lucy Evers. You have been absolutely marvellous. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Take care. Bye.